Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azrin here, owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's YouTube video and, of course, podcast episode. So, in the past couple of videos and podcast episodes, what I've done is I've turned on my camera and I've started to talk about the things that I feel like I need to say and the things that I feel like I need to share. This is what I've been doing on my blog as well. I sit down. And I write whatever I feel like needs to be written. And I'd like to start, I'd like to start today's video and today's podcast off sharing something which, which occurred to me after the last video and podcast that I recorded. And what occurred to me is that what I want to try doing and what I have been trying to do now in my life in general is before I say anything to anyone, and really before I do anything too, I try my best to identify exactly what I think and how I feel in, the, in my innermost feelings before speaking or saying whatever I say or whatever I do. Sometimes what that means, in fact, often it means I have to slow down. It means I have to say fewer things, do fewer things, it means I have to contemplate a little bit before I open my mouth. In the last uh, video and podcast, one thing I said is I felt awkward not being sharp, quote unquote, sharp as in quickly finding the exact right words to say. And... I don't feel that way anymore as of right now. Let's just say that. I don't exactly feel that way. I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for me sometimes to pause, think about my words and find the right words to say. Not necessarily. Um this is a language learning YouTube account and of course podcast, and so I would like to actually talk about some things that have to do with language learning. I'd like to share some things that hopefully are helpful to people who are watching or listening to this. The first one, the first few things I should say, have to do with experimental teaching and experimental learning strategies. For anyone who follows my blog, you know that lately I have started a new project where I'm trying to figure out how to teach adults another language and help them reach fluency two to three times faster than what is currently thought to be possible. In order to do that, in order to do that, I've been thinking a lot about how I taught languages in the past and how languages are often taught in general. And then I'm trying to improve upon different teaching methods and learning methods too, not just teaching methods, but learning and teaching methods that people use. So a good place to start today, I think, would be for me to share some of the ideas that I have in mind that some ideas that I have in mind that I think might be some ideas that I think might be helpful to you as a language learner and possibly a language teacher. These are some thoughts I've had circling through my mind. 
The first one is I would like to actually admit a certain level of ignorance. I received an email from, a, from a, a current Calgary Language Nerds student. She might even end up watching or seeing this. I don't know. It's quite possible that she will. And uh, she sent me this email saying a number of things. But one of the things that she sent me in the email was recommending or even asking if I have looked into other rapid learning strategies. And I haven't. I haven't. What I know about language learning and about language teaching comes from a few different sources. So one of them is my personal experience. I've taken so many classes for many languages. I've met so many language learners for many languages, different ages, who've used different approaches, who have different learning preferences. I've seen their struggles firsthand. I've seen them succeed firsthand. A certain amount of my language learning, language acquisition and language teaching knowledge comes from more objective sources. Maybe that's the right word, objective sources. So for example, reading a book such as Fluent Forever by Gabriel Weiner. Or when I was in university, I took linguistics, university level linguistics courses. I I've often been taught certain elements of certain languages in a formal capacity, in a, in a classroom with a university professor or a highly skilled teacher, a knowledgeable teacher who will tell me, this is exactly how this works, or this, this is a linguistics context, but in linguistics courses, people who have shared research with me, and I can't think of any, any particular studies right now, but I have been influenced by learning things in classroom that I can't consciously remember now of someone that says, okay, the research states that this is what really helps people to learn X, Y, Z element of a language. And then I compare that with my personal experiences and I see, wow, that seems to make sense to me based on the depth of the depth and width of personal experience they have with language learning. But the reality is that There are so many ways to learn a language that I don't know very much about. And one thing I've not explored are what kinds of... Are there any methods of teaching a language or learning a language that, that truly do seem to lead to faster progress in the vast majority of people or a higher percentage of people? Okay, let me say that differently. Are there any programs that if you courses, classes, apps, whatever it is, right? Are there any, I'm just going to call them programs. Are there any programs that exist, learning methods, learning approaches that exist that comparatively speaking to any other method that currently exists, the success ratio is higher? Does that make sense? I hope that made sense. It made sense in my head. I haven't actually thought much about that. I haven't looked at apps, classes, etc., learning methods through that lens before. And 
I think doing that would be helpful because I might be able to learn something from it. I might be able to learn, oh, this seems to work really well. Huh, I didn't know that. Wow, someone has already created this program, this class, this app, this, that, the other thing. And it really seems to be highly effective. I wonder the same thing about teaching. Are there courses or classes or language schools that offer a class or a course that truly does lead to excellent, not even excellent results? Leads to results that are so much better than other than the competition that lead to dis there we go lead to disproportionately better results than all of their competition i don't know if there are any companies or classes like that my gut says no but i actually don't know the answer to that and that's probably you know i mentioned that for two reasons one to reveal my own ignorance and i think maybe some of you can relate but but number two I wonder if language learners are struggling with learning whatever they're trying to learn in another language. I wonder if language learners are struggling because of a lack of knowledge. I wonder if they're struggling because of a lack of knowledge. Maybe there's something that they don't know that if they did know would help them progress much faster. And that's a real slippery slope. I, I don't even like saying that out loud because, listen, there's, there are different types of language learners. There are some types of language learners where you're going to hear me say a statement like that and, that, and I'm afraid what you're going to do is you're going to go and watch more YouTube videos, more podcasts, read more books, read more blog posts, and you spend so much time learning about language learning and not enough time actually trying to learn a language. So I'm scared to say that maybe there's something you don't know that's holding you back. I'm scared to say that because I don't know how you're going to take it. On the other hand, though, listen, like, listen, I mean, on the other hand, on the other hand, recently in my life, I've just been noticing how much better things get when I learn more. Often, the, 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 the barrier for me was some kind of a knowledge, some kind of a knowledge gap. There was a knowledge gap that was holding me back from something. So that's that. Anyway. Let's move forward here. Let's move forward and talk about some of the experimental. It's funny before I go there. The reason I went on that tangent a moment ago was because I'm the things I'm talking about, the things that I'm working on right now to learn a language to or rather to teach a language, excuse me, to teach a language. In my mind, they're experimental, but it's funny. They actually might not be experimental. They might already be proven out to not work. Or rather, that's not the right wording. They might already be proven to work more or less effectively than other methods. 
So that's something I think about. But let's use the word experimental because they are experimental to me. So here are some experimental teaching strategies that also will double as learning strategies that I have been thinking about and also testing out. Number one, I'm calling this for the time being, the name will change once I develop this further, but I'm calling this the inversion strategy. I think the inversion strategy is something that can be used for a number of different elements of language learning. I haven't figured out what they all are. I've only used it once with one person to teach pronunciation. And the one time with the one person to teach pronunciation in Spanish, it worked. It worked so well, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it, actually. Here's how I typically would teach pronunciation. If I was going to teach pronunciation, and that was a part of a class or the entire focus of a class, okay, um, I might walk you through each letter. I might say, okay, here's, here's a picture or here's a, a sheet with all the letters of the alphabet in Spanish. Let's pronounce these. Let me pronounce this for you. You say it after me. Here are some words with that letter. You try saying it. I then give you some feedback on how you said it. We move on to the next letter, next letter, next letter. Then I might teach you some of the stress rules in Spanish. Okay, here's how, here's how uh, if you stick an accent, a tilde on a letter, this is how it emphasizes, this is how it, excuse me, modifies the pronunciation of that word, the sound of that word. Um, in highly technical classes, I might get into the, the phonetics of Spanish and talk about how when you have, for example, one word that ends in a vowel and the next word that starts in the same vowel, you essentially combine those two words together. And I would demonstrate that and explain that and give examples and such. So in the past, when I've taught pronunciation, there are different ways that I've done it. And I go into different levels of depth for different people, but the concept is roughly the same. The concept is, I am going to teach you pronunciation. That's the way to phrase it. I'm going to teach it to you. I'm going to teach it through different methods, different strategies, so on and so forth. And the results are generally, the results have been, if you were to compare my class, if you were to take a hundred people who taught Spanish and they had all had excellent reviews and they taught hundreds, if not thousands of people, they have excellent reviews. They're highly experienced. They know lots of teaching strategies. They are flexible. They, they're excellent teachers by all objective standards. You take a hundred of them and you take a thousand students and all thousand students take classes with these hundred instructors and we all try to teach pronunciation. The reviews for all hundred of us and the results for those students would probably, my guess would be they end up being the same. In other words, the way I taught Spanish, or rather, the way I would teach the alphabet in the past would be comparable, would have comparably positive results, I would think, to other people who are in the same experience and skill level as me. I hope that made sense. I was doing a competent job, I suppose you can say. That's how I would view it. Okay. Now, here's what I did this time. One, again, that one student, one time one language. I don't know if this actually works. It worked once and I'm going to test it and play with this more, but here's what I did. 
I told her, hey, uh, I've got uh, I've got a list of words here, and I had pictures which one put the words. Um, I had some phrases as well. They were all logically connected. They weren't random. I'm not going to, maybe one day I'll actually show the entire curriculum and make a whole like one hour video really breaking down every slide and every aspect of it. I mean, if you want me to do that, please let me know in the comments, actually. Maybe I'll actually spend an hour to do that. But anyway, there's a list of words, a list of phrases with images, and they all connect. They're all, they're all, it's not just random, right? And I just had her read them. I said, I know you don't speak a word of Spanish. You've never, you, you don't know anything. You don't know how the letters work. You don't know how to pronounce it. You just speak English and you can read in English. Just read these out and take a wild guess as to how you'd say them. And she did this. She's going through the words. The thing about English learners in Spanish, uh, sorry, Span um, and people who speak English who are learning Spanish. There we go. Native English speakers learning Spanish. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. Native English, native English speakers learning Spanish. My theory is that when they try and pronounce a word using the logic in their head about how they read English, they can pronounce Spanish 80, 85% well without me teaching them, teaching them anything. So my theory was, why the heck am I teaching this person the entire alphabet when they probably already pronounce the language 80% well? Why don't I just focus on the 20% they don't do well? So I had this lady, this lady read out these words and phrases, and I would only tell her and only teach her the things that she wasn't necessarily doing all that well. And within 45 minutes, she's pronouncing anything I show her in Spanish, any word, any sentence, pronouncing it clearly. Clearly, yeah, pronouncing it very clearly. She did not sound like a native speaker because we'd have to get far more technical to do that. There's a lot, that, that's a different process. And I don't know, I don't quite know, I haven't even thought about an accelerated, experimental, accelerated teaching process to teach that. I don't know, and I'm sure I can come up with something, but I haven't thought about it. But for most people who are not trying to get near native pronunciation, most people are like that, I find. They're just trying to speak clearly, And not sound so bad that it's noticeable or that they get, it gets pointed out. Does that make sense? And she was able to do that within 45 minutes. That blew my mind because normally it would take me hours. I mean, it would take me hours to get through the alphabet if I was actually teaching it to someone. I didn't, I didn't always choose to teach the alphabet to someone just depending on their learning needs, what kind of student they were, so on and so forth. So that was that. It was, I call it the inversion strategy because instead of teaching the entire alphabet right up front, I didn't teach anything and I only taught her stuff that she clearly didn't know. And I'm interested to try doing this for other types of other skills and languages. So what if someone has a beginner, here's a scenario I haven't even tested. What if someone has a beginner level of French, let's say French, doesn't matter. French. And they're going to learn something new that they haven't really learned before. They haven't seen it before. Maybe I could, depending on what that new thing is, maybe I could allow them to intuitively try to guess how that thing should work first and then fill in the gaps where they were wrong. Like, I actually think that might work. I could be way off, by the way. That might be wrong. 
completely wrong. But that's something I'm, that's an idea that I'm playing with. Another idea, and this one is not experimental, but it's experimental and in, in for me because I don't, the idea is, I think, true from what I know, but the way I'm trying to put it into practice is a little bit experimental. So in order to remember a new word or a phrase in a language, you need to have multiple hooks or of one very powerful hook. I'll give you an example. I had a class earlier today and the student said, I'll never forget how to say ew in Spanish. Why? Because ew, that has such a strong emotion tied to it. Disgust. The feeling of disgust is very powerful. So any word that has disgust attached to it, you are highly likely to remember that word. Any experience where you were disgusted, and it was it happened in the target language and you were disgusted by something and there were any words or phrases that happened while you were disgusted you're highly likely to remember those words and phrases embarrassment shame if you get if you ever if you're embarrassed about something and then you learn a word or phrase through that embarrassment you'll never forget that word or phrase these emotions are powerful hooks now those emotions are not the only hooks there's other hooks too um, a hook could be for example Interesting, actually. I wonder if all hooks are emotional. I've never thought about that before until right now. It is entirely possible that the root of all hooks are, are based in, some mo in emotions. I was going to say that sometimes a hook could be a memory, but the memory has an emotion attached to it. A hook could be a picture, but a picture even there is a relatively, it's a weaker hook than the emotion of disgust or shame or excitement or happiness. It doesn't have to be negative emotions, of course. Um, but anyway, for, in, for someone to learn a word or a phrase in a language and really remember it, there has to be a hook. And... My feeling is in the classes I've taught before and also many classes taught by other people, what ends up happening is that the way the content of the class is covered, you don't have, the hooks aren't, you, you don't have enough hooks to each word and phrase, grammar point, etc., to everything you're learning. There aren't enough hooks, first of all, and I think the hooks don't go deep enough as well. They don't go deep enough. I'll give you the most extreme example. You would never do this in a classroom. It would be, you'd go to jail. Okay. But, but this would be one example. You know, if, uh, if I took your hand, well, actually, here's a better example that wouldn't make you go to jail, actually. But, you know, like, um, if I had like a hot coffee in my hand, or if you had a hot coffee, in, let's say in a Starbucks cup or something, Right? Or even if it's mine, it doesn't really matter whose it is. And I give you the hot Starbucks cup, and let's say it's steaming really, really hot, and you don't have that protector on the coffee, right? And then you give the cup and you tell them, let's say they're learning English, and you say, ooh, it's really hot. You actually make them hold it to the point where they're like, oh, it's getting kind of hot, right? And then you make them say hot while, it's, while they feel that feeling of hot, like, ooh, ouch, hot. And you make them say that and do that. 
and act it out and embody that, it'll be a little silly, but, and you have the actual feeling, the sensation of heat, it's a very deep hook that will help them remember that word. And you can do that with lots of things. So I'm experimentally, I'm trying to find out how do you, trying to find ways to hook information to give people more hooks throughout a single class and to get that hook to sink deeper into their brain than it typically would. I'm trying to figure that out. A few things I've tried, a few things I'm doing. Uh, number one, number one is more, more practice, more ways with less information in every class. Yes, more practice in more ways with less information in every taught in every class. As an example, I taught a class yesterday using a new curriculum, Spanish class. And they learned in one hour, oh, let me tell you what we, what we learned. We learned how to say hi, four ways to say hi, hola, Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches. We learned adios. We learned chao. Be be beginner, beginner, beginner class. Adios, chao. We learned, uh, este, we learned, como se dice? Like, como se dice, blah, blah, blah in español. Like, how do you say this? If you want to ask someone, how do you say this word? Si, no. Como te llamas? There might have been a couple more, but that was the gist of when I, that was the main content. There might have been a few more things. I'm just struggling to remember exactly at the moment. There were a few, there were also a few small things that were sprinkled in, but were not a focus of the class. But let's say there were 10 primary, just phrases and words, essentially. Absolute beginner class. We did a lot of practice activities for those for those things. I made people close their eyes and pretend to like visualize themselves in another country, in a Spanish-speaking country, and they meet me for the first time. I made them dress me up in whatever clothes they want to picture me in. And then I would actually say some phrase or ask them something, como estas, or whatever it was. And then they would have to actually answer out loud. I made them do that. I made them write down each phrase 10 times. That's another form of hook. Um, I made them, I used a lot of diff, I used a lot of stories. I actually wrote, min, wrote many stories with lots of visuals and pictures and backgrounds and such throughout the, throughout the, um, the class. So that was a type of hook. Um, we played a, a little game of conversation ping pong at the end. That was a hook. So lots of hooks with very little information. And that's something that I think I, that is actually, I do think with relative confidence, I will say that. I don't think that's necessarily experimental or I don't think I need to test the theory that less information, more practice of that information is better. But how do you do that in a way that's interesting and effective? How do you really operationalize that? How do you put that into practice? Not just for some basic phrases, but throughout the entirety of a curriculum for the entirety of a language. That's what I'm trying to figure out now. The possibly the last thing, we'll see where this goes, but possibly the last thing I'll share here is I'm gonna call this strategy layering. I've done this a lot when I teach, and I, I, I'm a big believer in it, but I haven't, well, I haven't talked about it, first of all. 
And I haven't developed this as a core teaching strategy. It's just been something I do almost unconsciously. So layering is this. I'll give you an example of layering. So I was telling you about that student who was teaching the, the uh, Spanish pronunciation to, and we're going through the alphabet and such, but using this inversion type of method, okay? Now, layering looks like this. There might be a real name for this, by the way. I don't know. I just call it layering, as I said. Okay, moving on. Layering looks like this. I teach you one part. I teach you something in a language. But while you're learning that something, you're already being introduced to something else. I'll give you an example. I'm preparing a lesson right now. It's about 75% done, something like that, on uh, helping beginner Spanish learners to talk about their work. What do you do for work? How long have you worked there? So on and so forth. So one part of this lesson is teaching these people how to say, I work in such and such industry, right? I work in blah, blah, industry. Now, <clears throat> I'm doing that as a tangent, but relevant tangent. I'm doing that because as a beginner learner, it's actually, I think, it's more practical to learn the words of, in, to learn, first of all, your job title, you have to know your job title, but then to learn, to focus more of your study time and your learning time on industries, learning industry names, and not on job titles. Because job titles, there are way too many. Yeah, with the basic ones, doctor, nurse, of course, you have those, but really, People often have very specific and very particular um, job titles, and it's hard to learn them all. It's way too hard. Um, it takes forever. How do I know this? Well, to this day, I've spoken French for 25, 26 years now. And to this day, sometimes people ask me like for certain specific, very hyper-specific job titles. And it's normal to the person, but I don't know how to say it. I might know in English, like I'm, someone might say, hey, how do you say petroleum engineer? And I'm like... I don't know. Like I'm thinking in French now. I don't know petroleum engineer. I don't know. I could probably guess. If I saw it, I'd probably know. If I heard it, I'd probably know. But I can't think of it now. That's 26 years of French. 26 years. So there are too many job titles to memorize them all. It's not practical to say, okay, let's spend two hours learning 20 common job titles. No, that doesn't make sense. You can learn some by all means, but it's actually better to spend time on learning industries. Because when you talk to someone in another language and they tell you their job title, you can expect you're not going to understand the job title. It's probably going to happen. Even if you've learned a language, even if, you're, if you're, even if you're intermediate, there's a lot of job titles you're just not going to understand. So you can expect that. So you know the second you ask someone for work, good chance you're not going to understand their answer. So you can immediately follow up and say, oh, is that? What industry is that in? And then they're going to tell you the industry. And if you know your industries, because there aren't that many industries, there are far fewer industries, right? At least on a top level, general, generally speaking, there are fewer industries than there are job titles, right? So anyway, so I'm teaching them in the one part of this lesson is to teach, um, I work in this industry, okay? And just learn different industries, okay? Now, we look at that phrase, for example, I work in the industry. In, in Spanish, I work in this industry is going to have this word they. They is a relatively beginner, relatively simple grammar point in Spanish. 
Now I'm by teaching Spanish learners to say la industria de, for example, right? The industry of such and such and such, the such and such industry. I'm teaching them primarily how to talk about work, but at the same time, they're, they're acquiring, un, they're being introduced to a new grammar point that, that I'm not really focusing on, but, but they're still able to somewhat learn. They're getting introduced to it at least. And then what I can do in the next lesson is I know I've done a little introduction of this one little grammar point, for example. Now I know in lesson two, I can implement that grammar point again in a, oh, this is hard to say. I've never articulated this. I have a lot of breadcrumbs. I'm leaving. No, let's not say that. I'm giving soft introductions to things that I'm going to teach in the future. I teach you primarily about work. Great. But at the same time, you're getting soft introductions to other things that I'm going to use later. Right? I'm going to use those later. And you're going to because you had a soft introduction earlier, when I teach it formally later, or even if it continues to be informally taught, A, as it's continually informally included, your brain starts to develop a natural understanding of how that works anyway. And then when I finally do teach it formally, you already have an unconscious understanding. Now I'm just, I'm just putting words to something you already know. That's what it is. I'm putting words to something you already know but you just didn't even really know that you knew it. You're like, oh yeah, I kind of noticed that. I didn't notice that I noticed that. Does that make sense? So that's something else I'm playing with. I think this is a good time to wrap up this podcast and video. Thank you for watching. If you have any questions, comments, whatever it is, feel free to let me know. You can contact me by visiting azrintheLanguageNerd.com slash contact. That's A-Z or Z-R-E-N, thelanguagenerd.com slash contact. And we'll chat later. Bye-bye. Adios. See you.